Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. What is going on, Bet Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, here with another edition of FN Sports, the podcast where teachers grade sports because issues. And today, we're going to talk some NBA draft. And while I am getting acquainted with the NBA draft, as I do every year about May, as I'm starting to look forward to what kinds of prospects are coming, I actually should be doing that right now with the Rockets getting a bunch of prospects and all the picks that they have as we rebuild things for to become the 2026 NBA champions. Do I need to mark that? Mark that now. 2026 NBA champions. Cool. As we become the 2026 NBA champions through drafts like this one, I need to call on a friend that is a substitute teacher of sorts. So without further ado, let's dive on in to some NBA draft talk from a very, very helpful sub, Maxwell Baumbach of the No Ceilings Network. What is going on? We are joined today by Maxwell Baumbach of the No Ceilings Network. Maxwell, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. The draft is getting closer and closer. And just like this year of work that we've put into this process is is almost coming to an end in a way, even though it's really just the beginning for all these players. And we're getting to the point now where we get to talk to, you know, fans of specific teams and like it just gets me so fired up. So I'm I'm really glad to be here. 
completely. And I have to say the no ceilings network seems like all of it's getting excited. If you're, you should get on the subscription service. They see your email up. It's like more and more every day. Uh, it's all draft all the time. It looks like right, Maxwell. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. We are covering the draft. You're getting new content from us every single day. We've got several podcasts as well. If you just want audio. Um, but every day we've got new written work. We've covered every prospect like in our personal top 100s. You can even just type in like go into Google and just type in like no ceilings, any player you're interested in. We've covered them at some point. So uh, there's a, there's a lot there. A hundred players. And for reference, there are 60 picks. So I think you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. There's, there's a couple guys that we've had the issue with where we're like, all right, who's covering this guy? It's going to be like, I'll take him for Thursday. And then like on Tuesday, they pull out of the draft and it's like, oh no, like now you got to come up with something else for Thursday. But hey, it comes to the territory. Completely. I also say, I'm not going to give away which, cause they need to go read and find out. But one of the uh, prospects was described as being able to shut it down like the owner on bar rescue and i have to say <laughs> <laughs> that was quite the analysis maxwell big bar Thank rescue you. guy <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely uh we can talk bar rescue on some other time but this is a, <laughs> this is a sports show and so we're gonna talk oh about man i thought this was a bar rescue podcast <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about um, shutting it down we're gonna talk about 2012 mixologist of the year russell davis i thought we were gonna do all that tonight but <laughs> we can yeah. We can do the draft, I guess. <laughs> Quickly, because it is the mm-hmm. NBA playoffs. Y'all are draft focused and, and yeah. we're talking tonight. But most people watching basketball, the average fan is probably watching, you know, the as we're recording this, the Warriors are going to sweep are going for a sweep of the Dallas Mavericks tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening to this, I guess the day after, so it, that either it happened or I've got proven wrong. Um, <laughs> how do the playoffs shape what you're doing on draft analysis? They they shape it a lot. Um it's going to vary person by person. I think some people are like, oh, well, you still need regular season players to fill out a roster and things like that. Personally, I exclusively view the draft through the lens of I'm trying to build a team that wins games in the playoffs. So when you see certain types of players that either can't stay on the floor or aren't as effective or can only kind of play spot minutes, depending on who plays for the other team, uh, that does take into account how I view their value versus somebody that projects to be able to play significant playoff minutes for every team. So just to like throw out an example, there's a lot of potential shooting specialists in this draft uh, that like half size, but aren't the most mobile. And I think if you look at a guy like uh, Davis Bertans for the Mavericks, he's been able to get some minutes here or there in the playoffs, but it's entirely dependent on who's playing for the other team. Like when the Suns were playing Cam Johnson, you know, you can slide in some Bertans minutes here or there. Uh, You know, Cam Johnson, not, not the best defender, not the most, you know, quick twitch first step guy on the other end. So you can hide Bertans on him on that side. But against a lot of teams, you're not really able to play Davis Bertans. And, and things like that matter when you're evaluating players is whether um, they project to be somebody like that or more of a Dorian Finney-Smith type who in any kind of series, he's going to find minutes because he can guard multiple positions. He can shoot. He can get to the rim. He's a good athlete. You can't pick on him. Um, I tend to lean way more toward guys like that, that are just reliable, steady, and the severity of their flaws isn't something that's going to get them targeted and kicked off the court, basically. So no booms and busts. What I'm hearing is there's probably a Rudy Gobert take somewhere in there, but we might need to leave that. (laughs) So so I'm I'm a big Sixers fan, and like the Sixers and Jazz fans, there's always been a lot of tension there, dating back to the the Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell Rookie of the Year debate. So who is a rookie? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I I, I will stay mum on Rudy Gobert for now to keep myself out of trouble. (laughs) So, and guys, we are going to talk about, um, this is a teacher grading sports show, um, and as a substitute teacher of sorts tonight, 
Maxwell, I got to ask, who are you handing out uh, of the guys, the prospects that you're watching and you're doing a lot of studying, it sounds like, who are you handing out a higher grade to than most on the consensus? Yeah, so I I don't want to spoil some of the other guys that we're going to talk about. So I'm going to kind of go deeper down my board because there was, you know, a couple, a couple guys that you actually have questions about, like two of them are like my guys, like guys that I'm really into. Um, so I'm actually going to go a little bit, you know, deeper down the board here and I'm going to throw out EJ Liddell from Ohio state. I think we, you just talked about like watching the playoffs and seeing how guys perform in the playoffs. To me, EJ Liddell is a prototypical playoff basketball player. Uh, he's six foot seven with a six eleven wingspan. So he's a bit undersized as a four. Uh, but he posted one of the best verticals at the combine. He can jump out of the gym. He is very quick laterally and he reads the game really quickly, especially on defense. Uh, there's a lot of plays where he'll be, you know, guarding his man on the other side of the floor. Someone will drive to the basket and his reaction time to just go help get over there and block a shot is lightning quick on offense. He's a very good shooter. He's very strong. So if you switch a smaller player onto him, he'll just bully him and get right to the rim. And he's also a really good passer. Passing is something that if you watch a playoff game, you got to make decisions really quickly. Uh, so guys that don't stick with the ball is something I'm really big on. And that's something that EJ Liddell does really well. Uh, so I so have, he's, he's kind of like a sleeper for me in a way, like sleeper well, to, in terms of like the more casual sense, but yeah. Yeah, no, I, he's, he looks like at six, seven, I, I'm seeing two forty. I actually don't know if that's a yeah. combine weight. Yeah. He's like a big dude. Like so he's like burly. That's kind of small ball five ish. You mentioned passing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mean to say Draymond Green, cause that's a multi-time defense player there, but like, like, like yeah. the same kind of mold. Yes. Yeah. Very similar. Uh, Grant Williams is the other guy that I think of a lot with him, like just kind of that big, tough, like big chested, you can't really push him around, but he's also fleet enough of foot that like, if he has to switch down, he can do it and be fine. Well, and what's interesting and pulling up his information, he's 21 years old, which means he's already Mm -hmm. older than half of the Houston Rockets. That doesn't scare you (laughs) off. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. I, I worry about age when it gets to like an extreme tipping point. Um, what I look at the most is like uh, year over year improvement. And are you addressing the flaws in your game? Uh, so last year, EJ Liddell played at the G League Elite Camp, which is like the combine before the NBA combine. So it's like you're not good enough to get a combine invite. Go to the G League Camp and earn a combine invite. And he stunk at G League Elite Camp last year. He was, he was downright bad. And he got feedback that you're too heavy laterally. You don't move side to side very well. And your shot needs to get better. This year, he came to the season lighter, quicker, far just springier in general, and his jump shot was like night and day. He used to shoot on the way down a lot, completely cleaned up his form, and just looked like a different guy. So I don't completely worry about age if I'm seeing like, hey, this guy gets it, and he's building on the things that are issues in his games, and he's taking steps forward. The guys that like just barely improve year over year and are older, like that's where I kind of get scared off by age a little bit more. Makes total sense. I, I just interesting that like it feels like the focus is on these 18, 19 year old kids because of the yeah. longevity and the time. And that's mm-hmm. not much older, but there's also a, probably a reason, like you mentioned, he's been in college for a couple of years. Um, and yeah, I think that's got to be worth asking. He's not ready. Like he was yeah. absolutely not ready a couple of years ago. And everyone's trajectory is a little bit different. You never. Uh, you just never know. Like some guys get it really quickly and put it together. Other guys take a while and that's okay too. Well, and again, because I mentioned the Rockets, people listen to show no, I'm a Rockets fan. Like yeah, Christian Wood or Jay Sean Taylor, the guys that got it even later, mm-hmm. right? Like, like yeah, it, yeah, totally worked out. But relatively speaking, we didn't win a lot of games. Mm-hmm. But it totally worked out, you know, in the, 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 <laughs> players now. the second half of this question, that's the guy you're high on that others might not be. 
Who was uh-huh. the guy that you were giving a lower grade to in the consensus as you look at the board? Yeah. So I have been lower on this guy for a while and I kind of got vindicated by the combine a, lot, a little bit. Leonard Miller from Fort Erie Academy. So this is a guy who's largely off the radar for a lot of people. He played basically at a, like a high school academy in Canada this past season. I still think he is an NBA player eventually. I just don't think he is this year. He was like a late growth spurt kid. He's 6'10". And on Twitter, there was a lot of really intense draft buzz about him these past few weeks that were like, oh, he should actually go laterally because he's he's 6'10 and he can put it on the floor and he can pass and whatever. Not a ton of high school tape on him. The tape that does exist, he's playing against a lot of kids who are like 6'4", 6'3". He played at the Hoop Summit, which was an event where it's like U.S. versus uh, the world. And like the, the U.S. team is like high school players. And I thought out of like the 24, he felt like the 15th best player. And it's just like, there's that's nothing to sneeze at. Like that's, you know, an elite crop of players, but just didn't strike me as draft ready. Came into the combine this week and just had an awful time with the speed of the game. Turned it over a lot. Didn't look ready. Um, I know a lot of people that there's this sort of thought that NBA player development is better. So if you can go to the NBA, just go to the NBA and you'll get better player development. I don't think that's always the case. I think if you get taken in the second round and you're a 15th man on a roster, you're just not going to have that much attention devoted to you and teams cut bait and move on really quickly. Uh, Tyrell Terry on the Mavericks a couple of years ago, 30th pick in the draft, um, already cut, already moved on from him. So I think a lot of guys benefit from being the best player on the floor and getting to explore that studio space and just getting to be in an environment where they are getting a lot of focus in getting reps as the best player on the court. And I think he would just benefit a lot from that. So for me, he's a guy I just really don't want to see in the draft this year because I think one year, either in the G League or in college, and he's going to look really good. But I think he needs like one year of being the guy against better competition. Well, and you have a much deeper understanding of this than I do, but it looks like to me, it almost depends on what aspect do you need to work on? You need to work on your jumper. Yeah, sure. Get in the G go shoot a bunch of jumpers, get on the gun. Like you don't have to go to algebra class, right? Whole different deal. But if your deal is like game speed, like you're talking about Mm -hmm. with this kid, you need to go play games, right? Like like you need to get in games. Well, and the thing that scares me with him is like, he's not a reliable shooter yet. And he's still really thin. And if you just like look at trends among rookies, their field goal percentages are always really bad. And if you don't have a guaranteed way to score the basketball, like that's something that always really worries me. Um, but he's very raw defensively too, because he's always just been so much better than everyone that he's on the court with that in these all-star games, he's looked like really far away defensively from where he needs to be. So it's like, if you don't have a guaranteed path to put the ball in the basket and you can't guard anybody, like it could get ugly really quickly. Completely. Um, speaking of ugly, it feels like there's like tiers of play and you're more knowledgeable of this than I, so correct me if I'm wrong. There's yeah. tiers, there's like the top three, there's like mm-hmm. four through six, and then there's kind of like jumbles of players and tiers like that across the board here, which yeah. I think could lead to some trades because yes, if you're at seven, you're really not a lot different than you are if you're at like 12. If you're at mm-hmm. four, you're not a lot different than you are if you're at like six, right? Like, because you're in the same tier classification of guys. 
Um, do you see a big trade? Ha- like if you're planning for this, do you see a big trade happening down the line? And I may be on the top three or maybe in the top three, but so- somewhere happening early. I think it's very possible. Um, and I think it's possible more so this year because it felt like last year there was a lot more consensus around the tiers where like, it feels like this year, like a lot of people's like five through 12 ranges look way different um, than they did last year. So I could see a team like Sacramento where like, it feels like the consensus number four is Jaden Ivy. He's not really need for them. I could see them making a move. I could see a team like Portland, who's in kind of win now mode, looking to make a move. It's it's definitely on the table. And in making a mock draft, as you know, guys at No Ceilings are doing these days. And frankly, that if you look at like the people that write for No Ceilings' this previous work, I think it's fair to say like they clearly know what they're talking about. How does that much chaos? play into you making that mock. So we try to avoid that. Like we try to take trades off the table completely and just like, hey, you got to make the pick. Just do it that way. Um, but it's tricky. It's tricky too from even just like making a big board because so much of it depends on fit. Like there are guys that I really like, but if they end up in a precarious development situation, like not to pick on the Kings, but they don't have the best track record. Like a player ending up in a team like Sacramento versus a player ending up on a team like uh, Oklahoma city or, you know, new Orleans where they have a great track record with getting players to be able to shoot or, you know, Toronto and like Miami are obviously like the super heralded development programs. Like it matters. So it's hard. Like when you're making a big board to be like, okay, well, what if this guy ends up on a team that doesn't develop talent or what if this guy does like it, it makes it very, very challenging. Definitely. And I'm sure one of the teams that does the best job of that is, my Houston Rockets. Now I, I want to talk about them not because just because I'm a fan. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they do sit at a very interesting spot though. They have half the rosters on 21, I guess 21 and under. So next year will be 22 mm-hmm. and under. Um, they clearly went all chips in the basket on development. Um, they had the number two pick a year ago and they have the number three pick this year. And three is seemingly a cutoff of these tiers. There's like three yeah. and it seems to be consensus three forwards. And then like, a couple of guards and I guess Keegan is also a, you know, a forward, but in that second tier and there's kind of a blend right there at the three, four spot, as Mm. far as what should happen. Are you, the forward should go one, two, three, and then I'm going to ask you about order. Or are you, you know, at three, you gamble and do a little bit dicing up or or what do you see happening at that three spot? I, I am firm on Paulo Chechabari is the top three. I am dead set on that. I wouldn't deviate from that. I, I actually think they all kind of fit the Rockets core uh, to a degree. Like, I don't think any of them were like, oh, no, you can't have this guy on the Rockets. Like, I think I think they all fit pretty well. Um, so I'm firm on you take whoever's left out of it, that top. And if you were guessing with Orlando at one and Oklahoma City at two, well, Houston is very malleable because they're lacking a lot of talent. They won 20 games. Like yeah, Orlando yeah. seems to be like, they've got Franz. You got to find some place of Franz. Mm-hmm. You got to find some place with Suggs. Oklahoma city has guards and Shea yeah. and Giddy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Houston's got Jalen. Yeah. And I'd bet this time a year ago, we'll say Houston's got Jalen. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. like, you know, that's just where they are. And so how do you see those three shaking out and who is left at the three mm-hmm. spot? So I think it's going to be Paulo. It sounds like, Every indication is that Jabari is going one, um, at least as of now. That's that's the intel is Jabari is going number one. Chet, I think, fits Oklahoma City a little bit more cleanly just because Gideon Shea are going to need to have the ball in their hands. And I think they really believe in those guys. So, so I think they want a guy who's more of a uh, ball mover and a guy who's going to play defense because those guys do not play the best defense. Uh, 
And then I think you get to Houston and I think Paulo's right there. I, I really like the fit with Paulo. Actually, I know a lot of people like I've seen people joke about how like they're going to, you know, like Houston's you have a lot of guys that like to have the ball and like to score. I think it's fine. I think like Jalen and Paulo is like a, a really nice starting point. I'm, I'm huge on Jalen green, by the way, he was, he was number two on my board last year. I don't feel bad about that at all. Still. Um, he gets comped a lot to like Bradley Beal and Zach Levine. I've watched most of Zach Levine's career, a lot of it in Chicago. And I like watched the Timberwolves on when he was there. He is so far ahead of where Zach was at that age. Like it's not, they're not the same. They're not the same guy. Jalen's ceiling is so much higher. Like he, I really think he is going to be a stud. I think Paulo fits just fine. Uh, he's, he's a very good passer and it's something he didn't really get to show much until later in the season, but he's like, he's a really exceptional playmaker for his size. Obviously the defense is an issue. Um, but something you hear from draft people all the time is like, you can always get centers that can dunk and protect the rim. And Paulo plays really well with those kind of guys. I actually kind of liked the fit with him and Mark Williams this year at Duke. Um, so I think you take him and you, you figure out the defense and the rest later on. Well, and not because they've already played together. There's people arguing that like Mark Williams may be around at Houston's second pick at 17. Uh, you know, he was, I would take him. Like, I think he's, I think that's a phenomenal fit. What do you think? And this is getting too in the weeds on the Rockets, but you've got me intrigued now. Alperin Shingun is a weird guy to fit with a team. Yeah, um, he is. And I, it kills me because I love Shingun. I had him. He like does some things so like well, Maxwell. He does some things so well, but yeah. then he's like a little slow, a little short. His arms are a little stubby. Like, like there's a like, little thing. foul a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think about? Cause currently without knowing who the 17 pick or the center is or whatever. Yeah. You'd have, Alprin's 19 going on 20 and Paolo's 19 going on 20 and they'd both be in a team for a while. Yeah, it would be messy. It's, it's definitely not ideal, but I don't know. I don't know that Shingun has reached a point where you have to worry about drafting over him. And it, it pains me in a way. Cause like he is really good and he's very interesting. And I, I tend to bet on guys that just like have that like high feel and like playmaking instinct. And it's part of why I, I see a lot of people like bailing on Paulo and like, that's why I'm not doing it. It's like his, like just playmaking feel is very good. I think you can always make a trade down the road. Like you don't want to do it. Like, obviously like, you wish everything would just like fall into place. And it's like, actually Shingun can play center and whatever. And it's like, I don't know, like, it's probably not going to happen. It would be great if it did, but you can always make a trade later. And if he ends up being, you know, if you end up having two starting caliber fours, you can trade one of those guys down the road. And, you know, it's not the cleanest, but it's always an option. Well, and, well, you know, I guess you traded two late seconds to get 16, which got you Alperin. It, it, it's not as valuable an asset, right? It's just like yeah. it's speaking in the asset management game, as weird as that is to call it, like, like it's, it, yeah, it's a 16 it's versus a three, you know, it just, mm-hmm. that's not quite the same. I, I love Paolo at Duke. Um, I got, I got to be blunt. I watched him a lot more in February, March than I did before. Yeah. And so I, people talk about like, he grew a lot over the season or like, talking about bad mm-hmm. defense. I remember him pinning the ball off the glass in March Madness. I, like, like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You watch way more than this, but I've seen him make a few plays. Where I'm like, I, you know, yeah. something there. the defense isn't like horrible when he's keyed in. Like there were just occasionally be like single possession plays where it's like, oh no, like, but I don't think he's horrific. Like, I don't think he is like a bad, bad defender. I think in a playoff game, he will be fine on defense. Like, I don't think he's going to get picked on. I just don't think it's a strength. The other thing speaks of strength that makes this next part funny. You mentioned that you had Jabari over Chet. I feel like yeah. I you you seem very confident. I've seen people going about 50-50 as far as those who go. 
talk to me through your everyone's got different logic talk me through yours yeah so so i have jabari number one on my board i actually have the order that i'm predicting of jabari chet paulo right now. actually no i, I follow number two right now um yeah i think i think jabari just fits what orlando likes they like guys with a lot of length that can play the forward spots and I just don't think that they have enough shooting on their team. And I think that's a big thing is that you've got Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba, who are both just like fine centers. But I think ideally everyone wants Jeff to play the five eventually. And it's I just think it's a cleaner fit to get um, get somebody like Jabari in there who can play next to Franz, can guard up and down the line and provide that switchability. But just get everybody more space. Um, you know, Franz can get to the basket a little bit. Gives him space. Gives Cole Anthony space. Gives Jalen Suggs space. Um, I really just think he helps expand out their court a little bit more than Chet does out of the Fair enough. With Chet, and- you're going to need to play another five next to him. And like yeah. Wendell and Bomber are both fine, like shooters. But I don't know. I just think it's a little cleaner with Jabari out there. Well, and it weirdly feels like because of the things Jabari is good at, he could be playing right now real minutes for a team we're watching in the playoffs right now. Like... He would yeah, have holes. he's a very like seamless, like he's very high floor. Yeah. And, and I wonder if at the number one pick, if that's the safest, you know, you go with a guy that just, you can't mess, you can't mess this one up if you're Orlando, right? For um, sure. Jalen Suggs might have different opinions based on his former high school teammate, but like. That's true. Yeah. We haven't mentioned Dyson Daniels. Uh, yeah. He is a G League guy that is launching up the charts right now and i guess Mm -hmm. i got a couple i think it makes intuitive sense to me because we watch college basketball and then we end college basketball and people start digging into other prospects Mm -hmm. but dyson has had this you know meteor rise. and do what where are you seeing that come from where are you on dyson and the g league in general so i love dyson i've been banging like the dyson at five like five or six drum for a long time and i've got him firmly at five now um if he went four, I would also be okay with it. Um, I have him, Shaden Sharp, and Jane Nivey in like my second tier. He's really great. I think I think the G League thing this year was odd um, because, like to your point, a lot of people were paying attention to college. Conversely, the G League night players all started really slow this season. Um, the only one who kind of came out of the gates good was Marshawn Bochamp, uh, but Foster was looking like rough. Jaden Hardy couldn't throw a grape into the ocean was like turning it over a lot. And Dyson was just like, Oh, he just like plays defense and like, can't really score, but he's like a good passer. And then over his last 10 games, Dyson hit 43% of his threes and was like taking a couple of game and had like six assists to two turnovers per game. And it's like, Oh, this kid's like six, eight and he has point guard skills. And now he's knocking down his shots and he changed his mechanics so earlier in the season, he had this very clunky, slow load jumper. Um, and off the dribble, it was very, very slow into his release. Uh, as the season went along, he really sped everything up. And like, he's just making shots now. Um, and he's openly talked about, like, I just feel so much more comfortable shooting now. So I think people are going back into that film from the second half of the season that they didn't watch. Because initially, I think a lot of people just checked out. A lot of people stopped watching the night because their players didn't really look like they were going to be too big of a factor at the top of the draft. And people went back in and saw Dyson just take these massive strides and look like a quintessential modern playoff player. Do you think that this will be either the slow start because it's a big jump in league or we don't watch it until after March is over? You'd go, yeah. from, you know, we don't watch you to all of a sudden 
we're probably just in the top six. Like, is that going to happen? It's often? possible. I think. I think like last year was different because like everyone knew Jalen Green was going to be like one of the best players in the draft. I think next year Scoot Henderson kind of has that same benefit of the doubt. I think it will be a year by year thing, and I think it's going to be tough for prospects there during college basketball because like people people don't watch the G League. Like the only people watching the G League are sickos like me who are like, I got to see these prospects. Like a normal person isn't like, oh, I wonder if the Ignite and the Santa Cruz Warriors are playing later today. Like it's just, it's not on people's cultural radar. And it's tough too, because I think it's like a hard sell from like a television standpoint to like get ESPN to devote TV time to a G League game that's played in a high school gym. Like it just doesn't, yeah. it doesn't look professional. Like it just doesn't have a lot of cultural cachet. So I think we are going to kind of see this every year where like it takes the college season being over for like more people to like, okay, now go watch it. And now everybody discuss it. So as a fellow sicko, I will say I watched the Vipers play the ignite a year ago because we had just gotten Kevin Porter jr. KJ Mm -hmm. Martin was on the team and there was a shot. We're going to get to take this Jalen green guy. And I remember watching that game specifically. And Mm -hmm. and I have to say, I was blown away. I, I grew up in Austin, Texas, big Texas Longhorn guy, right? I was blown away. The, the basketball is better than college basketball. Like, I don't it's have, so I, much better. Yeah. I don't know how to describe that to a college basketball fan. The players are mm-hmm. just better at basketball. What, what is there any way to make this more watchable? I've, I've like racked my brain over this so much. Um, I don't, I really don't know. And it's hard with the night too, because there's no rooting interest. Um, because like with the team, like, uh, like Rio Grande Valley or whatever, it's like, oh, well, like we have our NBA team right over there. We're in your hometown. Come cheer for us. It's like an inexpensive night of entertainment. Um, we're the ignite. It's like, we're just like stationing these kids in Las Vegas and like, come, come check it out if you want or don't (laughs) like, there's no, there's no hook. Um, and that makes it really tricky. So I think that's something that like, I don't, I don't have the answer for like how to, how to put that together, at least for the ignite side of things. Well, it's not like there's anything else to do in Vegas, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 There's no <laughs> other entertainment options except going to a minor league basketball game. All right. So if we can't get guys to watch the G league, I don't know if we have any hope of getting them to watch international basketball outside of like the Olympics. And the unfortunate thing is that like Luka Doncic is dominating the playoffs. Jokic wins two MVPs. Giannis wins the two and before him. Um, and so like now you're at this point, we have Nikola Jovic yes. and another high promise, high caliber, positionless European player. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps it's because I grew up in Texas and we had the Spurs who seem to have all the international players all the time. But if we're not going to watch the G League, we're not going to watch them. So what can you tell us about a guy like Jovic? Yeah. Yeah. So Jovic is, is one of the more interesting guys to me. Um, he plays for a team in the Adriatic League that is just like full of pro prospects. Like there's like four guys on that team that could potentially see the NBA at some point. Um, he is interesting. So he is six foot 10. Um, he has a really nice passing game and he can shoot his, his three point percentage looks pretty average on paper, but I am a firm believer in that shot. He can take it from deep behind the line. The shot variance is very impressive. Like he'll just pull up off the dribble really quick from deep. Um, I think he's a real big time shooter. Um, he's gotten a little better about dealing with contact. So his big flaw in offense is he is very thin and he does not love contact. So it kind of t- saps the juice out of his passing game a little bit that like, he's not willing to like drive all the way to the basket or deal with physicality or like drive and kick. Cause like a lot of times he'll get to the elbow and be like, I don't really know about going into the paint right now. I think I'm just going to pull up and shoot. 
Um, so that's kind of his big flaw in offense. Defensively, he does not try right now. So that is like that is gonna be a big obstacle. Like his he's 6'10, so like he should theoretically like be okay just on the fact that like he's really long and like he's not a bad athlete. Like I've seen people be like, oh, he's not athletic. I he's he's solid athletically. Uh, he just really does not work hard on that side. And like, if people beat him off the dribble, he just follows them. Like he just does not really attempt to recover at all. Um, to be fair, he, I do the same in my pickup games on Sunday. So yeah, like, you know. Hey, you got to do it sometimes. <laughs> uh, so, and maybe that'll change when he has like a bit of a smaller offensive workload, Malcolm Caslon on his team, like it's kind of like a combo guard player. He was injured for a lot of the year and he de- dealt with like a lot of the ball handling responsibilities early. So a lot of that got shifted back over to Jovich. Um, so he did have a big workload, so maybe that'll, you know, kind of ease things for him a little bit, but he's a very, very interesting offensive player. If his defense can just be like, okay, he he's fascinating. So you mentioned, when you mentioned like had a big workload in his most recent year before going pro, my yeah. mind goes to weirdly like the exact same thing happened to Luka Doncic before he, on Real, right? Yeah. Um, he, all of a sudden his, his usage rate skyrockets and that's mm-hmm. that last year in Real, I should mention that while recording, the All NBA teams have come out. Uh, there are five non-American-born players okay. in the yeah. fifteen players. That's a third, mm-hmm. right? That's a solid All NBA team yeah. of guys not from here. Mm-hmm. Um, what other guys are you looking at that are not from here that aren't you? Yeah. So my so my number one rated international prospect is Usman Jang, who I wrote about a while ago, and then like he finished this this season even stronger than he already was finishing it at that point. I'm still like a little dubious. I don't really know that his ceiling is that high. Like it's kind of a weaker international class in general. Um, Jeng is French, but he played in the Australian league this last season Um, is part of the next stars program. Like just like, uh, like LaMelo ball did basically. He is similar to Jovic. He is very thin, does not like to deal with physicality. Um, But I think where I give him the edge over Jovic is he's a lot. He's got a lot more wiggle to him. He's a lot more just fluid with the ball in his hands. Uh, and he's also very decisive. Like he makes very quick poised decisions and he had a horrible start to a season in the NBL, like absolutely dreadful was a guy who like, I was probably out of my top 60 at various points throughout the year. Like just could not do anything out there is a six, nine, you know, thin guard forward type. Um, as the year went on, his shots started to fall. Um, but he did also start to play a lot more assertive. It seemed like he became more comfortable with like, Hey, I'm just going to get hit. And it is what it is. The big thing with him too, similar defensive issues to Jovic, except with him, it was just entirely about like being shy of physicality. So instead of like fouling when he gets beat, like he would just let a guard, like bully him right to the rim. Um, and like, he would see, like he would, you could like physically see him, like see an opportunity to help. And like, he wouldn't come over to block the shot. And it's like, just go for it, dude. Like, just go for it. Just do it. And like over the last like eight games of the season, he really started to do it more. Um, and if he can be the player that was, he was the last eight games. Like if you just take like his last 10 game stats, they're comparable to like what guys like Giddy did over in the NBL. Like he finished the season very strong. And you don't think those defensive weak like not going over to help. So the coach in me says like, oh man, that's worrisome. But you think yeah. that's something that can be worked on or taught. That's not like a I, present problem. I do because he, he fixed it a little bit. And I'm hoping that when he gains the size that he'll like be willing to do it. Cause Jeng is very thin right now. Like he's thinner than Jovic. So I think that once, once he's like able to deal with the physicality a little bit more, I think he'll be more willing to engage in it. Um, but I do think he has a much scarier floor 
than people are willing to admit. Like, I do think there's a real chance that he just comes over and can't guard anybody. And if he can't get his shot to fall and can't like get to good spots on the court to get his shots off, like it might not work out for him. So like for me, he's like 18, 19. I've seen people have him like up almost towards 10. Um, I can't get there with him just because I think the floor is really dicey and I'm a little bit lower on his ceiling. I don't like his shot as much as I like Jovic's, but I think he's just like a more well-rounded offensive player. You mentioned, we said 18, 19. I thought he just turned like it. We're recording. On He's 24th. super young. He just turned 19 on the 21st yeah. of May. Right. So mm-hmm. who knows what he even looks like in 24 months, but, um, but that, yeah. that's a big, they can roll in the dice. Like there's just, mm-hmm. they just don't know. Speaking of guys that, you know, he's really young. You had guys, you know, talk about the size and skinniness of a Jovic or size and skinniness of Jang. The, the combine, I think is an eye opener in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. And it, frankly, the measurable stuff and like NFL draft, it's like all about like people really love combine. I think basketball mm-hmm. is like a nice balance where we like look at the measurables and then like watch pickup games. Um, yeah. Combine star that talk about guys that no one watched all, all year. Jalen Williams. Yeah. Hey, this wingspan height to wingspan ratio mm-hmm. is incredible. Yeah. And a guy that looks at this all the time, like yourself, can you explain to us like how phenomenal is his positive wingspan? It's, absurd so uh to, to speak from my own experience so jalen williams measured in at six six with like a six or he was six six with a seven two and a half wingspan i believe it was that it's ridiculous so i'm six five myself and i have a seven one wingspan i cannot buy shirts it's not possible to buy a shirt when you have a seven one wingspan so an extra inch and a half like that dude can never buy anything off of a rack his, his life must be miserable uh, from, from a shopping standpoint. So it is really, really rare to see a guy with arms that long, but especially that aren't like a twig. Like he's a pretty big bodied, thick dude. Um, so for a guy to have those measurements and also be pretty filled out is like really exceptional. Well, and I, I just don't, I don't think people understand when he's talk about six, like he looks long on film. Yeah. I had to go back and watch this guy at Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. And he's guarding and playing with Chet at times. And the length is making up for the lack in height. And I think that Mm -hmm. like he looks long, but I don't think people get how long this is. Right. Like it's different than just like he looks long on TV. Right. Mm -hmm. Speaking of him. So we we talk about his length a lot Uh, as a player. He's in the West Coast Conference. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we're starting to understand that like there's some good. It's not just like Steve Nash and a few randoms. Like they're like (laughs) there's some good basketball in the West Coast Conference. And They had three tournament teams this year. Dylan mm-hmm. Suggs played in a year ago. Nimbard and Chet obviously both are coming out of Gonzaga this year. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you know about Jalen Williams, the player, not just yeah. the wingspan? So I really liked Jalen Williams all year. Like, I'm like so happy that he's getting this moment in the sun. There is a clip uh, that I posted on Twitter of him putting Chet on skates the first time they played Gonzaga. And I was like, keep an eye on Jalen Williams. Uh, and then when we did our March Madness show for no ceilings, we did a thing where it's like everybody pick one guy who's not playing in the tournament and Jalen Williams was the guy I picked like bring up on that <laughs> show. So I'm, I'm thrilled. He, he is a player, man. He is a, uh, he's six, six. He tested well athletically. So he's not a bad athlete, but he plays with pace. He plays a very poised footwork, prominent offensive game. Uh, so he's a really good shooter. I think he made over 40% of his threes this season. Um, but he just, he's got a bag off the dribble. Like he is so good at creating space for himself with just like step backs, like rolling guys to sleep using hesitation and then just blowing by him, uh, using that length to shoot over guys, getting himself good looks in the mid range, getting himself good looks at the rim, 
putting up his floater. Um, very cerebral player. He, he can run the pick and roll really well, always keeps his head up, can always find the open man, posted great assist numbers. Uh, and defensively, I like him a lot too, man. He, uh, I think defense has been one area where I've kind of seen people knocking him. And I, I, I really don't see it there. He is unbelievably flexible through his hips. So when guys come to set a screen, he like the way I described it is like, he makes himself like a sideways slinky to like, just get <laughs> around the screen with his legs and to stay in front of guys and wall them off. He's not like the, the quickest first step guy in defense, but his length does so much for him there. And he's so strong. The guys like, can't really get through him. Can't really get around him. Um, so I think he is a plus defender who's going to shoot threes and can take on a little bit of a creative burden. So I redid my board today. I have him at 15, which is much higher than a lot of people, but I've been higher on the consensus than him all year. So I, I, I just think he's, he's an awesome dribble pass shoot player who can defend. And can I ask again, this is a guy that played college basketball at not the most watched place. Mm-hmm. How did he get himself into the top 15 at this point in the process for you? Was it that yeah. wingspan? Was it the pickup that you see at the combine? What was happening there? So he was in my first round for a while. Um, he like I've had him first round probably since March. Um, just because I, I really liked his game all season. I liked the games I saw him in. Um, going back through the film, something I like to do is watch players' worst games, and his worst games aren't bad just because he does so much. He's always defending, he always rebounds, always passes. Let's the game come through him. It's like when he's off, it's not like, oh, he's there's nothing he can do on the court. Um, the other thing I like about him is that his games against good teams, he performed really well. Uh, they had a game against TCU, who was a tournament team. He guarded Mike Miles, who's just a lightning quick point guard and their best player. And like the possessions where he was on Miles were fantastic. Um, so for me, it was just kind of like going back through the film, continuously kind of like validating, seeing things I liked, seeing him perform well in games where he was not doing well. And then the combine, the measurements helped, but it was also just seeing him be so clearly the best player on the court where it's like a lot of guys that played in those combine scrimmages are second round guys, but it was just so clear that he's like, not, those guys are not even in the same category as him. Um, But even just seeing like what he did to Christian Brown, who I think is someone a lot of people have in the first round. And it's like, oh, he's just like decimating Christian Brown. Like, I I think he needs to kind of be in that category. I think anything like below 25, you got to start really asking yourself some questions at this point. Okay, you mentioned Mike Miles. This wasn't actually on script, so you can tell me to buzz off. But oh, you're fine. I, I watched Big 12 basketball because I'm a Texas mm-hmm. guy. I thought he and TCU were both or together very impressive against Arizona. Mm-hmm. And again, I thought they'd lose by 30. They took the over. Right? Like, yeah. And that's obviously a single game performance. And the mm-hmm. Big 12, while it was very good at basketball, was not the same Big 12 as like a year or two ago. Talk to me about Mike Miles. Is he just a normal like Big 12 it. point guard that's going to be like, eh? Or like, what's going on with him? So there's some people that like really believe in him. Like Adam Spinella, who's like one of the smartest people on, on draft Twitter runs the box in one loves Mike miles, like big Mike miles guy. Um, I, I kind of like him taking the extra year. I would have had a draftable grade on him this year for sure. Um, but he's just like, he's built like a fullback, but he's just sudden. He's so quick and so fast. And uh, there's some real defensive upside. His floater is bad and he takes it a lot. And that's like the one thing he's got to work on. It's like his percentage numbers don't look good. And it's because he just loves this floater. That's not very good. And part of that is like, he doesn't have the best team. He's forced to take a lot of shots late in the clock. Like you got to take something in those situations. And that's what he ends up taking. I think there's a real chance that he could like kind of do what Andrew Nemhard's doing right now. He's kind of in that like early second round. Some people have had him like late first kind of discussion. 
Um, I do think that there's a chance that he could just take like a big leap and people are like, wow, Mike Miles is very reliable, but he's also a good athlete. And if a shot falls a little bit more this year, which I think it very well could, uh, he'll be kind of in that mix. It weirdly feels like these are the kind of guys that end up in a late first or, you know, early second round on those like good franchises, the San Antonio yeah. is the world, the Toronto is the world, like the teams that are just run well. That mm-hmm. find a, of course, he's going to be good. He was a talented college player. Like, don't yeah. make this more complicated than it has to be. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I like Mike Miles. I, I I think him taking the extra year, like I know a lot of people were kind of surprised. And I was too, like a little bit to an extent, but I think it's going to end up being really good for him. Um, Last thing before I get at, you mentioned that when you're studying guys, you watch their worst game, you watch games against good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so both with your process, like what do you look when look at? Not, I mean, don't give too many secrets away. But what do you look at when you look yeah. at a player? And then give us some homework. Give us a guy or two that most people aren't watching that we're going to wish we knew more about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, on the first tip, um, I try to cover just sort of basics the first times I watch players. So like, uh, what does their first step look like? Um, if they're a big man, like when they are playing defense, do they switch or do they go into a drop? Like just little kind of basic, the most ancillary, just like the most basic observations you can find. Like how well does this guy jump? How well does he slide his feet side to side? I like to just kind of start with those things and then just watch guys more and more, see if they have like go-to moves. One thing I like to do is just see like, how do they counter? Like if a guy does a dribble move and he doesn't get to where he wants, does he pick up his dribble? Does he pull it out? Does he go into another move from there? Like just kind of get a feel for like how much can they do with the ball in their hands? Quick decision-making is something I put a big emphasis on. Um, something you hear a lot from NBA teams, is they use the phrase 0.5, which is like, when you get the ball, you've got 0.5 seconds to like make a decision. So uh, if a guy gets the ball and they have to like hold it and like think about what they're going to do every time they get it versus a player who gets it and just either moves it or goes right into a dribble, goes right into their shot. Like, I really look a lot at decisiveness and something else I like to look at is like trustworthiness, which sounds odd, but just like, <laughs> do you, are you good? Are you a guy that makes bonehead decisions or not? Which is like part of like my guys they are like Dyson Daniels, EJ Liddell, Jalen Williams. Like they're all guys that are just very trustworthy. Like they're guys that aren't going to make you like pull your hair out, put your head through a wall, lose your mind. So I think that matters a lot. Like when you talk about like how cutthroat the NBA is like, there's these guys are all so good at basketball. And if you're on the margins, the margins are paper thin. So just being a guy that a coaching staff will trust and like give some leeway and leash to like, it matters a lot in terms of getting minutes, getting opportunities uh, when players are injured or things like that. And you get the chance to step up, like trustworthiness is big. So those are kind of like my things that I like that other people aren't as into for homework assignments. I'm like a big, I call myself a draft sicko. Like I like to just get deep in the weeds and like find guys that people like aren't into. Um, so I, I I'm going to throw a couple at you real quick. One is Ron Harper jr. Out of Rutgers. Um, I think he's going to be an early second round guy that goes to a winning team. He's like a big bulky six, six, uh, can guard a couple positions, really good shooter, heady passer, Tevin Brown from Murray state, probably going to be like a priority undrafted guy. I think he's like 24 on draft night because he was redshirted. He had a COVID year, exceptional movement shooter, just unbelievable shooter off of movement. His advanced numbers on shooting are spectacular. Uh, but what differentiates him from a lot of shooters is he's also a very good defender, like had like really good block and steal numbers at six, five. Uh, and could also like put it on the floor a little bit and pass. So he's more than just a shooter. 
Um, and then one that I'm going to throw at you with this being a Texas show is from Port Arthur, Texas, Kenneth Lofton Jr. from Louisiana Tech. So he is a big boy. So if you look him up, if you just look up Kenneth Lofton Jr., like you're going to have like flashbacks to, to young Charles Barkley. He uh, he looks like a defensive line. I'm sorry to cut you off. He looks yeah, like a defensive no, he lineman. He, um, he got a lot of pub with like the USA U19. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the first thing I bring up. So, so last summer he played on the USA U19 team with like Chet Holmgren, uh, Patrick Baldwin, like all these guys, uh, Jay Nivey was on that team and he led the team in scoring. Um, (laughs) he's awesome. (laughs) Like he's very good at basketball. And I think a lot of people just like looked at his body and were like, Oh, he's just kind of like this like fun novelty player. Um, he has progressively lost more and more weight. Like his freshman year, like Louisiana Tech would just like have to take him out. Like he would get tired. And like this year, that wasn't the case. Um, he got in even better shape and then just like dominated the combines. And he is fast. And like you look at him and you're probably like, oh, like deceptively fast. No, like just straight up fast. Like that dude's got a nasty first step. He's hitting his outside shots now. And he is just like skilled. Like that dude reads the game well, can make crazy passes, like sees the floor really well. It's just really savvy. He's he's got to keep getting in better shape. But like I I think he is an NBA skilled player. It's just a matter of like the other stuff falling into place. And he's getting there. Like he's putting in the work and doing it. So I know we said we'd end there, but I I love this kid. So I was a chubby kid at various times, including I, me too. Yeah, in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this weird theory where he's going to at six, seven, I see him listed at 275. I had to look mm-hmm. that up to be sure at six, seven, 275. He's going to get a pro nutritionist, get a pro workout plan. He could get the six, seven, 255 yeah. at some point. And then all of a sudden it's like, he's been running with a weight vest on like all, yes. like, like yeah. all of a yeah. sudden his body <laughs> feels way lighter because he's been playing at 275 this whole time. I, I thought, and partially because I'm, I'm, you know, I like the chubby cat. I, yeah, I like Kyle Lowry. Like, like I like, yeah, I like yeah, yeah. a little bit extra on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed watching him start off through Instagram, then through YouTube on mm-hmm. U19 team. And then whenever I could find stuff on Louisiana Tech playing clips somewhere, I, I, I had to stop scrolling to watch the clips because I knew he's going to get the ball. I don't know who else, yeah. on, who else there is Louisiana Tech, but I know he's getting the ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And like the year, so the year before they say this kid, Caleb Ledoux, who played, very bizarre situation. He played in the G league, but is draft eligible this coming year. And like Ledoux is like this awesome shooter. Like he was like a 40% three point shooter in the G league this past season. And like this year Lofton, like their next best player got hurt. So like a lot of responsibility fell onto him and like, he did a great job. And the fact that he got the big combine invite and like still did well there. Like I, he announced he's staying in the draft. Like I'm so excited for that kid. Like I am just so excited to see, how everything goes through him. Cause he's so skilled and so strong and so fast. Like he, he is just a joy to watch it. If he, again, I, I hate to be like, he needs to lose weight or whatever. He does. Like, but he but does. like, yeah. he needs to get in a little bit better shape mm-hmm. as we all did at 19, I guess. And <laughs> yeah, like all of a sudden I just, I feel like he could be really good, but I, I, I just want it. I think as part of it. <laughs> I, I, I want it for him too. And like, I, I think it's the fact that he's like progressively lost like 45 pounds or whatever over the last year that it's like, we see it happening. It's happening in real time. We're getting to see it. And like, I'm confident he's going to keep doing it. So that's like my last one is like, just, just for the fun, like just watch him on YouTube and just like watch kids be like, Oh, like I don't have to worry about him. And then him score 20 points on that. Like it's so fun. Those team USA clips. He is just, just moving 
kids mm-hmm. like kids that have no idea what to do no no and like it seemed like every team they played he like took him by surprise and it's like he's their leading scorer like how are you not prepared for this at this point like this is what he does he gets the ball at the elbow he backs you down if you double him he slings it to the open man like that's his game maxwell tell people where can they find you at for a obviously we can find your writing in those ceilings go subscribe you got to email every day with a new draft profile or some sort of analysis so go check that out for all the no ceilings but you're so specifically and on where we can find you and t- talk to you because the draft's in about uh, a little about a month actually yeah. a month from yesterday um so you can find no ceilings on twitter at no ceilings nba and then i am on twitter at bound boards it's b-a-u-m and then the word boards like draft boards or rebounding boards uh but yeah bound boards is my twitter handle so you can find me there uh and then no ceilings nba.com is so we're gonna find all of our work uh, we've got a YouTube channel as well. There's a whole lot going on. So we've got these finals videos going up on there. Um, we have a show called, uh, we've got another show on YouTube where we are doing like a PTI style presentation called On the Clock, where we are just kind of rapid fire going through different topics that uh, Corey and Tyler have been doing. That's been phenomenal. We've got interviews with prospects. I talked to Adonis Arms from Texas Tech a couple weeks ago. We just talked to Ryan Rollins. Um, we've got Caleb Ledoux coming up this week, who I just mentioned played at Louisiana tech. Uh, so we've got a lot of interviews in the pipeline. Uh, we've done work with Jake LaRavia and Kevin McCuller. So head to the YouTube. There's a ton there. No ceilings, NBA.com for all the written content. And then just keep an eye on us on Twitter. You'll see all of it there too. For sure, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I'm excited to talk about draft and not just because my Rockets are in. It's a fun time yeah. here in the NBA. Lots of stuff going on. And it's turned into a mm-hmm. year-round sport. Like we're really looking at this all year for round. For sure. And it's so exciting. Like I was a process Sixers fan. So like like I loved the Sixers as a kid. So like seeing like where a team like the Rockets are now, like it's so fun. It's so fun to just like get into the draft, <laughs> get invested in these young players and to see them develop. So it's it's a pleasure talking to you. And uh yeah, I wish wish the best for the Rockets going <laughs> forward. <laughs> Thanks, man. Okay, Parker, so the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we, we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But... You're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your bombs, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out the beard struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, the beard struggle's got all the products that you need. The beard struggle, feast your face. All right, friends, if you like learning a little bit about the NBA draft from Maxwell, I think Maxwell has great insight. Make sure to check him out and the whole No Ceilings crew at NoCeilingsNBA.com or at NoCeilingsNBA on Twitter. They offer great, great content. Now, what I'm doing here is going to be a little bit unorthodox. We're going to hand out a gold star at the end of the episode as a recording on a late Tuesday night. Now, if you've made it to this far in the episode, you have listened to a full-on substitute teacher lesson from Maxwell, and you're listening to a podcast made by a teacher, a real history teacher, 
in Texas. I'm sure at this point you've heard the news and are probably using sports like I use sports as an escape sometimes to get away from the news uh, about what happened in Texas on Tuesday. I, I don't need to go too crazy into detail about the atrocity that happened in Uvalde, Texas. Obviously, uh, we're all thinking a lot about them. Uh, I think the overwhelming feeling right now is that what else can we do besides just thinking and praying for, etc., whenever these things happen. And so in that vein, we're going to have a gold star to Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, before the Game 4 eventual loss to the Dallas Mavericks, uh, head coach of the Golden State Warriors, brought up, uh, you know, emotional, just walked to the stage and said he's tired of offering condolences every time he sits on the stage, whether it's about shopping markets or churches or schools. And it's just awful, awful, awful every single time. But he demanded a call for action. He asked on your senators, uh, which there are 50 that will not vote on a bill. Uh, The bill is H.R. 8. If we're doing some homework, uh, you should go look up H.R. 8. It's a fairly universally passed uh, background check that was passed by the House a couple years back. I think I'm seeing 2019, 2021, two different versions of the same bill that the Senate will not vote on. Uh, The Senate's holding it in limbo. And I would have to say that, you know, honestly, that's not the only thing that the Senate holds in limbo, but certainly one that they've got right now. It feels very present and front of mind. And as Steve Kerr points out in his pregame speech uh, to the media, this is a bill that 90% of Americans agree with. This is not something that feels fairly political. It's a bipartisan bill passed by both parties in the House of Representatives looking for some sort of basic universal background check towards firearm purchases. This is not some one-way leaning or the other kind of bill. This is a bill that, again, 90% of Americans have agreed with. This is a bill that has passed the House of Representatives in a bipartisan passage. And I just have to stress that um, the call for action out of Steve Kerr was really, really strong. And if you've made it to this far in the episode, I want to reiterate, you are listening to a show made by a teacher in Texas, a teacher that spends hours and hours of each day for roughly three-fourths of the year in classrooms with students in Texas. And that this thing continues to happen over and over again in classrooms, with teachers, with students, that's children, brothers, sisters, cousins, teachers being aunts, uncles, mothers, fathers, also brothers, sisters, all of sons, daughters, etc. And this continues to happen over and over and over. And while I enjoyed the chance to talk to Maxwell tonight and use sports as an escape, and I enjoyed the chance to watch the Maz and Warriors and laugh at things like League Grooves and use that as a chance to escape, I have to say that, you know, Steve's got a point. And um, frankly, as a teacher, sometimes those points just feel too real. They feel like they're way more than uh, teaching points, to say the least. Um, and if, frankly, nothing changes, are they really even teaching points in the first place? Um, as the Uvalde news continues to grow and shift and change, one thing that's consistent is it's only getting worse as the evening goes on as far as what is happening in the hospitals as people are working tirelessly to try and save lives as best as they can. It's great to have that escape. It's great to have some sort of escape like sports, but at the same time, there are just some things that unfortunately are too real to escape from, even if you get it for a couple hours. And as we wrap up the night and we've done the editing and done the recording and done all, I guess we do those in opposite orders. I'm just a little frazzled. We sit here and we talk about things to do to move forward and things to do that are actionable. And as Steve points out, the things that are actionable 
by all but 50 significant Americans have been done. And for whatever reason, those 50 significant Americans won't do it. And for some reason, we have the basketball coach for the Golden State Warriors on TV telling... He's not the only person in America saying to do it. I, I don't want to discredit what else is happening and other people that are being active. But this is a sports show, and that's a fairly significant sports figure that is also asking them to do it. And so Gold Star to Steve Kerr for adamantly and emotionally demanding what we all have asked for and expressing the same anger and frustration that many, many of us, including teachers in Texas with classrooms of children in Texas, have asked for. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you go check out Bomb Boards on Twitter. Make sure you follow Maxwell and all the stuff he's putting out. You can find me and my personal stuff on Twitter and Instagram at Painsworth512. It's P-A-N-S-W-R-T-H-512 on Twitter and Instagram. You can find this show on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, we're at F underscore N underscore sports. That's at F underscore N underscore sports. And on Twitter at F N sports 2 That's F-I-N-S-B-R-T-S number two. All one word on both of those Twitter handles. You can go to the link tree in the bio. Find access to all of our sponsors. Things like InTheClutch.com where you can find all of your latest sports t-shirts for your favorite teams. You can go to my bookie. Use code FN Sports. W deposit up to thousand US dollars. You have the Yeti store there. You can get all your cups, coolers, and koozies. You have the beard struggle where you can get all of your beard needs. Use code FN Sports fifteen to get fifteen percent off. You also on that link tree can find our merch store. And each month we have a charitable t-shirt or hoodie or mug which we send all proceeds to a charity may is als awareness month that means that we're doing an als themed lou gehrig's disease themed t-shirt and hoodie make sure you go grab that off the store all proceeds go to the als association make sure you like subscribe download do on the wonderful things to help with the podcast whatever you do when it comes to sports don't flunk with us and call your senators Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.